Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Good morning. Well, it's great to see everybody this morning. My name is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor here at Southside and just want to extend my welcome to each of you. Glad you decided to be with us to, uh, to worship today. Uh, we're, if you're looking at some empty sections, uh, we've got about 30 of our students gone on the spring break retreat. So we're very grateful for them having that experience. So be praying for them and especially for the volunteer chaperones who went with them. So... <laughs> It's hard to sleep on those, yeah, my wife being one of them, so, which means pray for me when she comes home, so that, that'll work out well. Um, glad you are here. How many of you have been uh, battling this nasty cold virus, whatever, anybody kind of struck, yeah, that's, there's been a lot of stuff going around. Uh, I want to ask you a question, so if you were to go to the doctor, which if you're like me, you have to be really, really bad before you end up going to the doctor, but if you were to go to the doctor and describe your symptoms to the doctor... And the doctor were to say to you, well, okay, let me, uh, let me see your birth certificate. You would probably start wondering what is going on here. Because typically you go see a doctor for a checkup, they don't ask to see your birth certificate. Uh, because the birth certificate that you have doesn't really tell them about your current condition. What does your birth certificate tell them? It tells them that you were born. It tells them where and when and to whom you were born. That's about all the, birth, the information the birth certificate has on it. And if a doctor said, well, yeah, that, let me just see your birth certificate Shanna, and look at your birth certificate order and say, well, you're fine. You know, no problem with you. Everything's in order. You'd say, no, I'm not sure you get what I'm talking about here. Um, there's a phrase that we use in Christian circles that Christians have used for, for many, many years, really since the foundation of the church, called born again, born again. And it's, it's a statement that we use that basically means a, a spiritual rebirth, a time in a Christian's life where they come to the knowledge of who Jesus is, what God has done for them. It's not only a phrase that we use in Christian circles, though. It has sort of transcended just one segment of our society, and lots of people use the, the phrase reborn. You can talk about, you know, our downtown. I've heard it, read it written in the paper. Jackson, downtown Jacksonville is being reborn. You know, you can look at a certain section of, of the community and say, well, that neighborhood's being reborn, or a company goes through a rebranding, gets a new CEO, and you, they're sort of being reborn. It's, it's a phrase that we use. It's kind of like the start over, the do over button, but the phrase itself, reborn or born again, actually comes from the scripture, John chapter 3. Yvonne read it for us just a few moments ago. John chapter 3 in an encounter that Jesus had with a religious person. 
You can't miss that. That is really important. That, that this encounter was with a guy who already had checked all the religious boxes, all the things you were supposed to do in, in, in order to be right in the, in the religious mind. He had done all of that. Jesus is having this conversation with him, and he uses this phrase, born again, and that's how it made its way into Christian culture. It's how it's really then made its way from Christian culture into our culture in general. It means to be born again. But here's, here's my question for you. So if... There is a spiritual rebirth. If you can be born again spiritually, if you can press a do-over button, what is the evidence of that? Because we know a birth certificate really only tells you so much. What is a certificate that tells us that we've been born again? Is it a religious ceremony? Perhaps for you, growing up, it was a confirmation or a baptism? Is it, is it a religious ceremony? Is it about your church attendance? Or is there something more going on? When someone says that they've been born again, if that's a phrase they would choose to use, what is it that they really mean? Because according to statistics, people who claim, self-proclaim that they've been born again, statistically look very different from the rest of the world. They have the same amount, the divorce rate's the same among those who claim to be born again as those who, who wouldn't say that about themselves. Uh, they have just as much debt. Uh, they're only slightly more generous. Uh, they engage in sexual activity outside of marriage just as frequently. So what does it mean? I mean, if, if there is no certificate or ceremony that happens and, and you're being born again, wouldn't there be something, some evidence of something different? Wouldn't there be something, if somebody claimed to be born again, wouldn't they look a little different? If you, this might not be a phrase you would use about yourself, but if you were to say, okay, I am going to be born again, wouldn't you want things to be different about you? That's not a phrase you would want to use of yourself or to describe yourself if nothing changed. Because what would it mean to be born again? Well, in order for us to understand what Jesus was talking about, it's good for us to look at the person who's writing this account and see, did he say anything else about rebirth or being born again? The, the person who is recording this is John, the apostle. And John wrote other books in the Bible. One of the, the books that he wrote, it's a letter that he wrote to some churches, some new believers who had been born again. And he describes in greater detail what it means to be born again. So I'd like for us to take some time for just the next few minutes and first get an idea of what we're talking about. What does the Bible mean when it says, what does it look like to be born again? This is according to the same guy who's recorded this story for us that Jesus is having this conversation Jesus is having with Nicodemus. He's writing this to a group of churches and look what he says. He says, first of all, somebody who's born again practices righteousness. They practice righteousness. Now I want you to read this verse with me that we're going to put up on the screen. Let's read it together. If you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practiced righteousness has been born of him. Now, part of the reason I love this idea of practice, they practice righteousness, is because what does it mean to practice something? Yeah, you're not perfect. You're, it means that you need to practice, right? You, you need to get better at it. It's like practicing a golf swing or, or going to the batting cages. You're practicing righteousness. 
it's not this unattainable goal that you have to be perfect or self-righteous. Actually, it's just the opposite of that. But everyone who's born again practices righteousness. I'm I'm working it out. I'm attempting. Anybody know you guys, anybody practicing it? I mean, you try, but you fail. You fall short. You don't get it right. So you pick up the next day and you try to do better. You're not the perfect husband. You're not the best wife. You're not the perfect kid or the perfect parent, but you're working on it. You're practicing righteousness. The second thing it says about those is that they battles sin. Someone who's born again battles sin. Read this verse with me. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, do you notice the word practice in there again? They practice righteousness, but they don't practice sinning. Doesn't mean they're not going to sin. I mean, we're all going to sin. We're all going to keep on sinning, but they're battling sin. We're engaged in a war against it. I know that that's true of my life. I know I've got that hurt, that habit, that hang up, but I'm fighting it. I'm battling against it. Practices righteousness, battles sin. Let's look at the next one. Loves. Loves. Now, this is one that we probably all would have guessed. We all would have said this maybe first, but let's read this verse together. Beloved. Let us love one another, for God is, love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, look at that second, right after that first comma there. Let us love one another. Man, that wouldn't be so much easier if it just said, just love God. You don't really have to love the people around you. I love the t-shirt that says, Jesus loves you, and then in small print, and I'm trying real hard. <laughs> You know people like that. You know people that that's, you, that's how you think about them. But, but that's what it says. To love. Let us love one another. Because whoever loves has been born of God. If someone claims to be born again and yet you don't see any evidence of love in their life, you don't see any evidence that they're practicing righteousness, any evidence that they're battling sin, the question is, okay, where's the birth certificate? Because I'm not sure that there was something that happened. There may have been a religious experience but were they actually born again? Let's look at the fourth one. Believes. Believes. Read this verse with me. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now that one on the surface may appear to be the most simple. But as if you've been traveling with us through the Gospel of John, you know that John talks a lot about believing. And there's a lot to that. Let's look at the next one. Uh, overcomes. Read this verse with me. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You know what that means? That, that basically means, it doesn't mean that you're never going to get knocked down. It means that actually you can plan on getting knocked down. You can plan on having a rough time. But through faith, that you don't give up, that you continue to attempt to overcome the world. So there it is. This is what somebody who's truly born again looks like. They practice righteousness, they battle sin, they love, they believe, and there's somebody through faith who attempts to overcome. So Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, and he says, you must be born again. This is what it looks like to be born again. But Jesus, in this conversation, says a lot more about rebirth than just this. He, he, he says something really significant about what does it mean to be born again? What are the consequences of being born again? And what are the realities of being born again? So let me, let me talk about these two consequences of not being born again. Two consequences that Jesus says of not being born again. The first one is this. You do not see the kingdom of God. You just don't even see it. You don't even know it's there. 
It's not on your radar screen. Listen to what he said in verse 3, John 3, 3. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to consider that for just a moment. Some of you who uh, can remember a time, you, you maybe came to faith in Christ as an adult, um, and you perhaps remember a time before you understood what Jesus had done for you and this invitation to rebirth, and maybe you can remember it wasn't even on your radar screen. I mean, the idea of righteousness, the idea of battling sin, nowhere on your radar screen. You had no idea, no comprehension. You understood there might have been something about church culture or religion, and there was a lot of judgment involved in that, and it made you feel bad, so you didn't want to be a part of it, but you had no idea what it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God. You couldn't even see it. The interesting thing is Jesus having this conversation with people that he encountered uh, in the first century, primarily with religious people, he always seemed to indicate that they couldn't even see what it was they were talking about. On one occasion, Jesus healed a blind man, and he did it on the Sabbath, which was taboo among the religious circles. I mean, they, you don't do that on the Sabbath. So they were all uptight. They totally missed the fact that no blind person had ever been healed before, and Jesus just did that. They missed that. Instead, are complaining that he did it on the Sabbath day, and so they confront him. And listen to what Jesus said to them. This is, uh, this is John chapter 9, uh, verse 39 through 41. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. In other words, this guy who couldn't see anything, he gets it. You who claim you can see, you see nothing. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Ooh. What's he saying? He's talking to religious people. He's talking to people who claim they can see the kingdom of God. He's talking to those who would say, you know what? Yeah, I've been born again and have no clue what they're talking about because they can't see it at all. He said, you would be better off if you didn't have the religion. You'd be better off if you didn't go through the motions. But because you claim you know God and yet you don't really, you're in a lot of trouble. You got problems. It's harder for you to actually see what's going on. This idea of being able to see the kingdom of God, it it begins when you're born again. God begins to stir something inside of you. Something about your present reality is not satisfying anymore. I don't want to continue to live like this. There's got to be a better way of living. There's got to be a better way of relating to other people. There's got to be more than this. This can't be all. That's why I love the uh, I love the hymn. Everybody loves the hymn Amazing Grace. You know, John Newton, the author of that of that poem was a slave trader. And, and God, by grace, just miraculously intervened, and suddenly John Newton's eyes were opened, and he could see what was actually going on around him. Listen to this line from that hymn that you probably sung before. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't even see it. You don't even know it's there. You don't even understand what you're missing. But by God's grace, we suddenly can see. The second second consequence of not being born again, which actually flows logically out of the idea of you not being able to see the kingdom of God, is this. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
Well, that would seem obvious. If you can't see it, you wouldn't know how to enter it. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, there's been a lot of debate about what he meant by being born of water and of the Spirit. And, uh, I mean, you could read for days and days about that. Um, I think, personally, I think what it means is when People are baptized. They're baptized for the repentance of sin. That's the baptism that John practiced. And you're baptized away for, out of an old way of living into a new life. And Jesus is saying, uh, listen, you've got to first understand that through, through your conversion experience, through this idea of giving away an old way of living and, and walking in a new life, that's the first thing. And the Spirit, we're going to talk about that more in a minute, but the Spirit of God comes into our life and begins to transform us. Unless that's happened, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this, that to be a member of God's family, your physical birth is not enough. Your heritage is not enough. The culture you were born into is not enough. The religious heritage that you gained from your parents and your family is not enough. Remember who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees. He had everything going for him. He was born as a descendant of Abraham. And in their mindset, that's what you needed. Man, you just needed the right names on your birth certificate. You just needed to be able to track the lineage back. And if I'm a descendant of Abraham, I'm in good. Now, I still want to honor God, but I still want to live the way that my people live. I still want to be a part of that culture. But ultimately, I'm good because of my physical birth. I was physically born into the right family. But our physical and biological heritage, she's saying it's not enough. Entrance into the kingdom requires some kind of spiritual rebirth, something different that takes place, some renewal. And what's interesting is that Jesus is making a distinction between a biological life and a spiritual life, between just the biology that we have, our heart beats, our lungs take in air and expel, uh, what do they expel? Carbon dioxide. <laughs> take in, I got to get that right. Science was not my strong suit. But there's something more than that, that there's a difference. And, and the word is it's interesting. In the Greek New Testament, Greek has different words for life. In, in English, we just, it's life, right? But, but in Greek, they have a different word. They talk about bios, meaning biological life, and zoe, meaning spiritual life or renewal, some sort of spiritual uh, birth inside of you. So Jesus distinguishes between the two. And when he says in John chapter 10, 10, remember, this is his whole reason for coming. He says in John chapter 10, 10, I have come that they may have zoe and have it abundantly. Not just so that you could have physical life, but so that you could have spiritual life. I came that they might have something more than just existing. Listen to what he said in John six sixty three: The Spirit gives life. Guess what word that is? It's not bios. It's zoe. The Spirit gives life. The flesh, your biology, it counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are full of spirit and life. So Jesus, interestingly enough, has a category, any Walking Dead fans out there? You don't, you don't have to admit it in church, but <laughs> Jesus has a category for the Walking Dead. He does. He said there are people who are biologically living and physically dead. Let me give you an example of what he's talking about. In Luke chapter 9, verse 60, somebody comes up to him and says, Jesus, you know what? I'd follow you, but I've got to go back and bury my father. And you know what Jesus said to him? Let the dead Bury the dead. Think about that for a minute. 
What was Jesus saying? He wasn't saying that dead people are going to get up out of the graves and bury other dead people. He was saying that let the people who have no spiritual life, let them take care of the corpses. We've got something more important that we're dealing with here. Jesus had a category for those who were physically living and yet were spiritually dead. Now, now think with me, okay? I know it's early, but hang with me for just a minute here because this is really important. Because some of you wonder why you can go through all the religious rituals, you can say all the right things, you can read your Bible, and yet you feel dead inside. And this is so critically important. What Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, he is not suggesting that our current condition is changed because we refuse to be born again. He's not saying, in other words, he's not saying turn or burn. It's not what he's saying. He's not saying, listen, you, you, if, if you refuse this, you're going to die. He is saying you are already dead. You're already dead. He's not threatening you. He's not saying it's me, or, it's me or nothing. He's saying you are already dead and what have I come to do? I have come to give life. I have come to restore life. I have come that you might be born again. Now let's look at two realities of this. So, so, so two, two conditions or two, two things that result from not being born again. The first one, you don't see the kingdom of God. The second one, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let's look at these two realities of rebirth that Jesus is talking about. The first one is this. You cannot manufacture or create a rebirth. You're like, well, great. That's not a lot of help then. Well, let me ask you a question. How much did you have to do with your physical birth? Anybody have anything to do with it? I mean, you did not have a thing to do with how your mama and daddy met and anything that happened after they met. And you didn't have anything to do with the fact that you, were, you, you didn't get to choose the day you were born. You didn't get to choose how you were born, where you were born, who your parents were. It just happened, and there you were. And, and listen, this is why Nicodemus's question is such a good question and makes sense. I've heard a lot of people who've preached about this say that Nicodemus was dumb. Nicodemus would not be stupid. Nicodemus was not missing sort of the analogy Jesus was making. That's not the case. This was a leader, a rabbi in Jewish circles. He would have been respected and revered. He was smart enough to know symbolism when he heard it. But listen to the question and listen to it believing that he understood the symbolism that Jesus was meaning. Listen to what he said. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be be born? He's saying, I don't know how you would even do that. Jesus, what you're talking about is as impossible as as controlling your physical birth. There's no way you can do it. I mean, Nicodemus was smart. He was good. He was righteous. He had the right position. He had the right heritage. But he could not do anything about a spiritual renewal or a spiritual rebirth. Listen, if Nicodemus couldn't do it, how could you? How could I? I mean, this is a guy who was better than you'll ever be. He, he followed all the rules better than you'll ever follow all the rules. He, this, is, this is a man who, who, who memorized the entire Torah, first five books of the, of the Old Testament. He spent hours and hours praying. He was a religious leader. He was a good man. He's saying, I can't even do that, Jesus. 
I could, be, I could control my spiritual renewal and rebirth. I, could, I, I have just as much hope of controlling that or causing a spiritual rebirth as I do of being born physically a second time. If Nicodemus couldn't do it, how could you? Listen to what Jesus said in verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He's making a connection here. Just as physical birth leads leads to your physical life, so a spiritual birth leads to spiritual life, which gives us the second reality. Only the Spirit of God can bring about our second birth. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation with individuals or sitting in one of our starting point sessions, and, and people have shared the story, and it's, it's gone the same way every time. I, I don't know what happened, but there was just a change. It's like suddenly my eyes were just open. I saw things differently. I saw my circumstances differently. I began to see the, the claims of Christ differently. I began to read the Bible differently. Everything looked different to me, and I don't know why. I don't know what brought it on. What is it? It's the Spirit of God moving and working. It's the Spirit of God bringing about new birth. It's the Spirit of God opening our eyes to see the kingdom. It's the Spirit of God inviting you to come in to the kingdom of God. And only the Spirit of God can do it. And it moves, the Spirit of God moves wherever it wishes. It's so interesting, this play on words Jesus has in this verse. Because in Greek, the word for wind and the word for spirit are the same word. So the Spirit blows wherever it will. The Spirit blows wherever it will. It's this idea that just as the wind sweeps across the land, and you can't control it, you don't know where it comes from, you can't stop it, the wind sweeps across the land. So the Spirit of God sweeps across the earth, seeking to reveal God to anyone. And it's not confined. It's not confined to one geographic region, Nicodemus. It's not just about you, you Hebrews and your heritage. The Spirit of God goes wherever it wants to go. This is an invitation for anyone who would believe, anyone who would receive. The kingdom of God is open to everybody, and it can't be contained. You can't stop it, Nicodemus. You can't stop this from happening. Because Nicodemus' tribe, the, the religious leaders, were trying to manipulate and control it. I'm sure glad religious people don't do that anymore, aren't you? It's a joke. Yeah, but it goes wherever it will. And it has nothing to do with your religious rituals. Although they're beautiful and they're symbolic and they teach, that's good, that's good. But if you are depending solely on the fact that you were baptized or the fact that you went through confirmation or the fact that you show up to church every Sunday, Jesus is saying, listen, that is not the same. That's not the same. You have to be born again. Now, I want to I just kind of close this out with, with uh, a little bit of a personal commentary here on, on this and, and what this meant. Because as I've read this, as I've thought about this, <clears throat> and this idea of, of our birth certificates, <laughs> you know, what does it mean to be born again? And, and what, what evidence is there that I'm born again? Because it can't just be religious rituals. I know that. I'm not diminishing their importance or their significance or their beauty. I'm not. There's got to be something more. So I went and I pulled out my birth certificate. I thought, what does this tell me about me? 
What does it tell me? Well, it gives me my name, Carrie Lee Weber Jr. I'm a junior, which means I'm named for somebody else who had the same name. I look down here, I see the name of my mom and my dad, and I realize that both my mom and my dad were teenagers when I was born. It tells me I was born in the year 19, April of 1972. Roe v. Wade became law in January of 1972. And yet, my mother made the tough choice, and she had me. And she kept me. When I read this birth certificate, I come to realize something. I come to realize and recognize that I was born, physically, I was born into a difficult, difficult state. That I needed rescuing from the moment I was born. From the moment I was conceived, I needed something new to happen. I needed that. And my guess is if you began to think about your own hair, if you began to think about your, the conditions of your own birth, you might come to the same conclusion. Maybe your situation, certainly your situation is different than mine, but when you begin to look at it, you realize, man, I was born into a condition where I didn't have a whole lot of hope to start out with. Now, I didn't help the situation at all. I made my own choices that contributed to the problem. You know what I'm talking about? But I needed something from the beginning, something to change, something, to, something different inside of me. I needed some sort of rebirth because I was born into a broken world. I was born to broken people, and I myself was a broken person, and I needed rebirth from the minute I was physically born. And here's what I know. When I think about God's grace in my life, and I recognize that he saved me, not by anything I did, but by his grace. That it is only the grace of God that preserved me, protected me, and opened my eyes to see what was going on. Listen to this verse in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul writes this, and he starts Ephesians chapter 2 off with this idea. He said, you were dead. That's what he said. There's some encouragement for you. Welcome to church. Come again next week. He said, you were dead. Verse 4, but God. You were dead, but God. But God, being rich in mercy. What does mercy mean? It means you don't get what you deserve to get. That's what mercy means. Grace means you get what you don't deserve. Mercy means you don't get what you do deserve. But God, because being rich in mercy, because of the great, what's that next word? Love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's good news. That's what Jesus was trying to say to Nicodemus. You must be born again. You can't see the kingdom of God. You certainly can't enter the kingdom of God unless you experience this rebirth. I want to take you back to John chapter 1 because John, I believe, is setting this whole conversation up from the very, very beginning. Listen to what John said in John 1, verse 12 and 13. But to those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen to this who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
had nothing to do with your physical birth. It had everything to do with God's grace. Now, I know for, for, for many of us, this conversation of being born again sounds a lot like religious jargon, and, and in many cases it is. It's been overused and abused, and I would say that it may be the most abused term in the Christian vocabulary. Because just because I went through a religious experience does not mean I've been born again. There's got to be some evidence, some way that my life is different now than it was before. There's got to be some transformation or some change. For some of you, 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 you may not be a believer at all. And you, you may be looking in from the outside and you hear born again and you hear religious jargon and you tune it out. But I want you to strip away what culture has done to the word, the phrase, strip away what you maybe have heard other people say about it and just hear it for what Jesus said. Doesn't it make sense? Don't you know? Don't we all know at our core that we need that? Don't we know that there's a difference between biological existence and a spiritual rebirth? Don't we just know that? We don't need need a preacher to tell us that. We don't need somebody else to tell us that. Somewhere inside, we know I need to be born again. I can't do it by myself. I I can manipulate my behavior. I can modify my behavior, but I can't change my heart. I must be born again. So here's the invitation for you today. I want everybody to take out your communication card. Uh, It's on the front of your bulletin. If you didn't fill it out, just put your name down there. Everybody get that out. There's pins around you. Everybody get it out. Come on, everybody do it. Everybody do it. This is participation time. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to have a time of commitment and receive our offering like we do every week. But this week's going to be different. Because I'm going to pray for you. And, and as I pray for you, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. But there's a difference between praying with me and listening to me pray, okay? And, and in this prayer, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. Here's the prayer. It's going to be this. God, I want to be born again. I pray that the life of Jesus will come and give me life that I lack. And just like we sang, I want to follow Jesus. No turning back. That's the prayer we're going to pray. And, and if you mean that in your heart, that's what you, that's what you genuinely mean. And, and you say, this is, for me, I, it's time. I, I've, I've, I've listened, I've heard, but it's time for me to take that step of faith. It's time for me to cross that line. It's time for me to say, to commit myself to that. It's time for me to invite the Spirit of God to do in, do in me what only the Spirit of God can do in me. I just want you, down in the prayer request area, you can write it tiny. You can just write a little letter A and put a circle around it. That's all you have to do. Don't do it now. Don't do it. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I have called myself born again. I've used that phrase myself, but I'm not sure I'm using it right. Because that list that you gave, overcoming, loving, believing, practicing, practicing righteousness, battling sin, none of that describes me. And, and I need a spiritual renewal. I need a recommitment. I want you to put a letter B. That's what I want you to write. And if here today you're saying, you know what? I am born again, and I'm so grateful. I just want you to put a letter C. And if you're here and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about and I don't care. (laughs) Or maybe you do care, but I'm just not ready. I need more time. I want you to put a letter D, okay? So A, I want to be born again. B, 
I've said I'm born again. I need, a re, I need a renewal. I need a recommitment. I need a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit in my life. C, I'm born again. And I'm so glad. D, I need more time. I want to talk, talk about this. I, I just want you to write the letter. That's all I want you to do. So everybody's writing a letter, okay? No peeking, no looking on your neighbor's card. I just want everybody to write a letter. Why do I want you to do this? Because I'm trying to somehow have a statistic. No, not at all. Not at all. Number one, I want to pray for you. Number two, number two, I want you to decide where you are. I don't want anybody to leave here today without knowing where am I in this. I want you to look at your birth certificate and know where am I in this. This is more for you than it is for me. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Everybody bow your heads. Father, today, um, as we gather in this room, there are many of us who are here who, like Nicodemus, have gone through all the religious motions for many years, all the ceremonies, all the rituals. And Lord, if we're honest, we've tried our best to live good lives. We've not been bad people. But ultimately, we're confronted with the reality that the difficult sayings of Jesus that we must be born again. And Lord, if we're honest, all the religious effort we put into it has not done it. And Lord, we, like Nicodemus, would stand apart from all of our religious activity and say, Lord, I want to be born again. For those who are here today, and that describes them, Father, I pray. (laughs) I pray that they just have even the courage today to admit that to themselves. To just write letter, the letter B on their card, as silly and simple as that sounds. But maybe, maybe as they begin to open their own eyes to, to what they lack, like Nicodemus did, they'd be open for a fresh movement of God in their lives. Father, for those of us who are in the room who celebrate the fact that we have been born again, that we were dead, but God, because of mercy, because of his love, has poured life into us. Lord, we rejoice rejoice and even writing a C on the card is an, is, is an expression of our praise and gratitude to you. Father, for those who are here today who maybe even for the first time are hearing this and, and they have no framework of reference, they don't know, they're just beginning a conversation and, and they don't, they, they've heard born again, they've never known what it meant and Lord, they need more time. God, I pray that your spirit would continue to teach them long after our time together is over. And I pray that they would just write a, the D down there just so as a reminder to themselves, God, as they leave here, to continue to, to open their Bible, to read this story for themselves, and to invite you to do in their life what you did in so many of our lives. But Lord, today, today for those who are here, and Father, they've been listening, and they've been seeking, And by your grace, by your mercy, because of your love, you've opened their eyes. They see things like they've never seen them before. Father, there's a hunger and there's a yearning and there's there's something inside of them that's, that's calling them forward. Lord, I believe that's your spirit in their life. I believe that's the wind of your spirit blowing wherever it will. Lord, I pray today that they would enter, enter into the kingdom by simply today, Lord, receiving Jesus as their life to understand that there's more than just biological existence and so Lord together those in the room who are in that category 
Lord, I voice this prayer knowing that it's, it's the prayer of my own heart, the prayer of many of our hearts. But today, Lord, for those who are not just listening to me pray, but earnestly praying with me, we pray. Oh God, we're dead. We're dead in our sins and our trespasses. And Father, we're born into a broken world to broken people. And we've contributed to the brokenness. And Lord, we confess that. But right now, right now, God, I ask for the life of Jesus to fill me up. That Jesus promised that he came to give life and give it abundantly. Lord, I receive that gift, that free gift, knowing there's nothing I've done to deserve it. It's just by grace. I receive it. And I commit myself to follow after Jesus to practice righteousness. And Lord, I'll mess up. But God, you've already forgiven me because you already know how I'll mess up. To battle sin. To try to love even when it's hard. To believe. And I ask you to help my unbelief. To love. And to overcome. Not by my own power, but by your power within me. Father, God, today you've heard the sincere prayers of those who've prayed that today. And I pray you'll give them the faith to profess that, even just by putting an A on their card today. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for the life that you're breathing into this place. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. We thank you for the words of Jesus, which challenge us but also change us. Father, as we collect this offering, Lord, we put so much more than money into these plates. We put ourselves in. Lord, we put our commitments in. We put our hurts, our needs, our prayers. Lord, we put, we put all that in just in a symbolic way to remind us that it all belongs to you and you ask for it back. So Lord, we, we come to this time and it's, it's, it's a time of worship and we pray that the wind of your spirit will continue to move, continue to speak. In Jesus' name.